I'm Charles Adler with 10 Minutes of Matter, special edition. We have a combination of armchair generals and armchair peacemakers weighing in on Israel versus Gaza. Ceasefire needed right now. Two-state solution needed right now. You hear this from a lot of folks. My question is, do people pushing for any of this know anything? Jonathan Friedland, The Guardian, Great Britain. He writes columns for them. In a recent analysis, he decided to impart something that so many activists and slacktivists and academics and journalists and even, dare I say it, Western government officials seem to lack knowledge. So if knowing things matters to you, this is a golden opportunity. From Jonathan Friedland in Great Britain, speaking directly to those who argue that Hamas will abide by a ceasefire because, after all, Gaza has been so badly damaged. Multiple thousands of Palestinians did much of Gaza rubble. So Hamas must be motivated to make peace. Why wouldn't Hamas change its tune and abide by a, a ceasefire? Jonathan Friedland says, and I'm quoting liberally from his column, such thinking fundamentally misunderstands the nature of the organization. Hamas is a different kind of enemy, one that does not fit the usual theories of war. Put simply, Hamas does not mind seeing its own people die. Recall how counter-terrorist strategists used to think of suicide bombers. It's hard to deter a terrorist who does not fear death. And that is true about an organization like Hamas, which has explicitly said, it is proud to sacrifice martyrs. This is why Hamas has spent hundreds of millions of dollars, much of it in international aid money, not on basic services for Palestinians in Gaza, but on building and equipping a network of underground tunnels that, again, it has explicitly said are exclusively for its own use. People ask Hamas, if you can build all these tunnels, why not bomb shelters for the people? And one Hamas leader put it bluntly, ordinary people in Gaza who need protection should look to the United Nations. This explains why whatever truth eventually emerges about the recent role of the Al-Shifa hospital, a former director of a major aid organization operating in Gaza testified just days ago, I'm quoting, it was broadly suspected as far back as 2014, so that's just about a decade, that Hamas used that Al-Shifa hospital complex as a command center and base for operations. Just as it has long been understood that Hamas is not afraid to use schools or UN buildings when it comes to raining rockets on Israel. The calculation for Hamas is that either Israel, either Israel hits back, killing innocent Palestinians, thereby losing legitimacy in the eyes of the world, or it does not hit back, allowing Hamas to keep firing. Either way, Hamas wins. And right now, Hamas is winning the public relations war against Israel. The ideology of violent jihadism plays a part. There are plenty in the West eager to see Hamas simply as a resistance movement in the noble tradition of national liberation struggles. This fails to recognize that Hamas has a doctrinal commitment to jihadism. It's not rhetorical. 
It's the animating creed of the organization. Jihadism. They, they truly believe that when one of their own people die, even a child killed in an airstrike, they go straight to paradise as a martyr. They believe this against an enemy that thinks this way. The usual pressure doesn't work. If you doubt the devotion, force yourself to listen to the phone call made by one of the Hamas murderers on October 7th to his parents back in Gaza. Hear his pride, his ecstatic joy. As the murderer tells his parents, he has killed Jews with his own bare hands, including a husband and a wife and eight others. The quote, dad, 10 Jews with my own hands. It's not easy to imagine an accommodation with such an adversary. It's certainly not one of the kind that Benjamin Netanyahu so disastrously maintained for the last 15 years. The Israeli Prime Minister pursued a policy of containment, described aptly by the historian Yuval Noah Harari as violent coexistence. Violent coexistence with Hamas. Israel believed it could just about live with Hamas in Gaza with periodic military confrontations. Sometimes known as mowing the lawn. Sometimes Israel mowed the lawn in Gaza, but never wiped out Hamas. All of this business of violent coalition, cooperation, coexistence, all of this was shattered on the Black Sabbath of last month, which is why the U.S. and the European Union, other allies have reached the same conclusion. It's the Israeli government. Hamas cannot merely be temporarily deterred. It must be deleted. This isn't just another round of mowing the lawn. Joseph Borrell is the foreign policy chief of the European Union. He told an Israeli paper just days ago, Hamas, quote, must be defeated, unquote. One needs to note that it's not just Western governments that think this way. The dog that didn't bark or has not yet barked is the governments of those Arab states with ties to Israel, including the Gulf state signatories to the Abraham Accords which included the United Arab Emirates. They, along with Saudi Arabia, whose imminent, quote, normalization deal with Israel-Hamas is determined to derail. Despite all the bloodshed in Gaza, those Arabic states have not broken off relations with Israel, suggesting they're not really that unhappy with the prospect of Hamas being functionally removed. Joseph Burrell, the European Union diplomat also called for a, quote, political solution, one that excludes Hamas, leaves them out. A political solution he describes as one that requires that Hamas not be a partner for anything. A political solution to bring Israelis and Palestinians back to a two-state solution. Joe Biden, Rishi Sunak, and others say the same thing. But here's where they too are guilty of misreading one of the key players in this case. That would be the current government of Israel. 
Joe Biden and company are overlooking the fact that Benjamin Netanyahu and his coalition are utterly opposed to the very arrangement Israel's Western allies advocate. They oppose the two-state solution. The Netanyahu government, which is the most right-wing government in Israel's history, includes junior ministers who fantasize out loud about flattening Gaza with a nuclear weapon, repopulating Gaza with Jewish settlements that were uprooted almost 20 years ago. Senior ministers in the Netanyahu government, even now wrecking any chance of cooperation with the only body that could possibly fill the vacuum in a post-Hamas Gaza, the Palestinian Authority, which runs the West Bank. So Washington, Brussels, London are currently backing Israel because they agree that no peace is possible without the removal of Hamas. They support Israel in removing Hamas, but they are much less clear that no peace is possible without the removal of Benjamin Netanyahu and his henchmen. Yet both can be true. Western governments and those filling the streets to condemn them need to be clear-eyed about the nature of their enemies and their allies. And that is Jonathan Friedland's excellent analysis in The Guardian with some added flavoring from the factory of my own neuro-linguistic linguini. With 10 minutes that matter, I'm Charles Adler.